Hey. Hey. Wake up. Don't freak out. It's just us. It's your buddies, Dan and Corky. And we're here to say, get the sugar plums out of your head. <laughs> this is a special rerun episode of Love Actually. Hey. Oh, my God. Yes. Maybe one of my favorite episodes of all time that we've ever done. This is a special Special episode recorded in a different world, in a different time in our lives. Because, man, we did this in 2019, late 2019. Oh, yeah. Um, you could fly. Oh. You could just go to other countries whenever you wanted to. You could just get in a small room with four people, including someone from a foreign country you've never met before, and just record a podcast episode, all as good buddies. This episode we recorded... With our good buddy Gav from the Films on Trial podcast. He was in the area. He rode a bus all the way up from San Francisco to Sacramento and then rode it right back after recording the episode. Doesn't that just sound like an inordinate amount of work? Like, just <laughs> let's do it remote. What? Huh? Everything's remote now. It just like it boggles your mind that, like, wow, we used to just go and do it. Like, why did we just go and do all these things? It made no sense. But, you know, I don't think I've ever really taken the time to appreciate the effort that man put in to guest on our podcast. He put in effort. <laughs> effort. And then he was on a show like in 2020 and we all just did it on fucking Zoom. Oh, my amazing. goodness. Yeah. So. Gav from Films on Trial, he he came and he actually joined us yeah. in the studio with Johnny, uh, all of us there reviewing this movie, Love Actually. And this this episode, I mean, this was like, I think this maybe was like our first reckoning with a beloved movie. Right. We've, we've done some movies that have like pockets of fans or that did well at the box office but are really terrible. You know, like there's movies that have been seen, like a lot of the stuff we do is very kind of obscure or it's just like totally forgotten or it's just no one ever liked it ever. Love Actually has like a powerful fan base. It has a hocus pocus yes. fan base. It has people who watch it every year, who can quote every line, who it's a touchstone in their lives. And it's absolutely beautiful and precious to them. And we set out to ruin that, ruin it for them and ruin it for everyone. And you know what? I think we did a fine job. I think we did too. I'm patting myself on the back, but I think we ruined it for a lot of people. I've gotten a lot, a lot of, of good, people. good feedback of people going, you know, I never looked at it that way, but that is truly an awful movie. But yeah, you know what? There are a lot of bosses negotiating sex with their fucking underlings. Like what a sick fucking, like, it's just, it really is like a, a pre me too mindset that this movie lives in where it's just like, you know what? If you like her. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're the fucking prime minister of England. No. You go ahead. You you follow her around. You stalk her. You hit on her. You pressure her for a date. Whatever you got to do. It's love. It's true love. It's fine. Is she marrying your best friend? Doesn't matter. <laughs> go for stalk it. her. Predatorily film her during her wedding. And then... Make a move on her while your best friend's in the house. In the house. And have that become the most celebrated, most repeated, most copied uh, meme from this movie. Because Christmas, Quirky, is the time to speak your heart or something. That, that What this yeah. movie has decided, like, that's never been a thing. I don't that's know. never been a thing. But hey, Love Actually made it a thing. 
Corky, what do you remember about this movie? What do you remember about this episode that really kind of like fires your your love? Actually, I do remember thinking that it wouldn't be weird if this movie was just named Predators. Like if it was like in the Arnold Schwarzenegger Predator Alien it's like series. Hugh Grant has like, you know, long dreads and some kind of a gun. <laughs> yes, that does make sense. Like Hugh Grant, Colin Firth, uh, uh, the, the guy from Walking Dead, they're all dropped into uh, the dodgy end of Wandsworth and they have to bag a kill, which means get a woman to fall in love with Have them. sex with one of your employees. Ugh. This, I but see that's why I was saying so many people have said hey you know I you ruined that movie for me and it's like that's where my like uh, really obnoxious nature comes through where I'm like I mm-hmm. you needed me to ruin that I mean that movie was yeah, just right. terrible I get it 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 is a, a holiday car commercial mm-hmm. with the bow on the car in the driveway <laughs> as a film. And the right. the bow on the car is love. Love equals magic. Magic equals love. Love equals workplace. There's like everyone has a dominant sub relationship in this movie. Oh, right. Yes. It really, it's it's pretty fascinating stuff. It's it's rich. It's a rich text. And you know, when I hear that I've ruined this movie for someone, I you know it just makes it all worthwhile. Yeah. Like puts a little twinkle in my eye. So without further ado, you've hopefully by now abandoned your family. Yes. You're gathered around a roaring fire of all the gifts that you got them. You're threw the hot cocoa out. This is just straight Jack Daniels. You've contemplated cheating on your spouse uh, with the hot employee at work. Uh, You actually actively have cheated, but not physically. Um, So there's still some gray area, but she's going to take you back because you get her a Joni Mitchell CD or something. Just get get in that holiday spirit. (laughs) Get in the holiday spirit. Gather around this warming hearth known as Love Actually. Rerun. See you, Gav. I feel it in my fingers. I feel it in my toes. Poorly developed characters on sloppy plot lines. Direction out of a cave. Jewelers add all around me. God damn this movie blows. Welcome everybody. You are listening to the Dare Daniel podcast. Where you send us... Your most sinister movie dares. We suffer the consequences for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald, and to me, you are a perfect stalker. And with me, as always, is film critic Daniel Barnes. Hi, everyone. As Corky said on this show, we do your dirty work by watching the most unwatchable movies you can imagine, and then we review and rate them on our unique system. Run-of-the-mill bad film, we give that a dare. We give a double dare to the truly atrocious movies, and we reserve the reverse dare or a despised movie that is actually pretty good. Merry Christmas, everybody. It's the month of December, and today on the podcast, we're getting into the early start on that Christmas with a review of the epic rom-com Love Actually. 
We're also going to read a couple of movie dares sent in by our listeners. But before we get to the beer we're drinking today, we're going to announce a very special Christmas present for all of you. We've got an actual British. Yes. <laughs> we got a real person from England here. We brought over a real England. We have an authority. Yeah. <laughs> With us today is uh, Gav from the wonderful podcast Films on Child. Everybody hey, get Gav. up. Thank you. Welcome, Thank you. Gav. He's Thank you really much. here. He's hey, really Gav. here. <laughs> In the room. Hi, With guys. Us. Hi, Gav. Hi, Gav. 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 Yeah. Gav. Oh, <laughs> that bit. He's here. The bit is complete. The, the bit, bit has just worked just in this moment. Gibbs on giving. Yeah, the funny thing is, is that when that bit plays out, when I'm listening to it in my car, sometimes I will respond to me. Going, hey, Gav, I'll be like, hi. Oh, yeah, no, here. Well, thank you very much for having me, guys. You yeah, know, thank you for being long-time here. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Is this your first time visiting America? Uh, no, it's my first time visiting uh, Sacramento, though, okay. so, and San Francisco. That's where I'm at at the moment. But uh, yeah, it's amazing. It's uh, it's Christmas, but it's like 16 degrees out. I've yeah. got nothing but jumpers and gloves in my suitcase. 16 degrees Celsius. <laughs> yeah. You it's pack- not freezing here. <laughs> no, everywhere. no, it is sunshiny. <laughs> sorry, sorry. For our North American listeners. Yeah, I'm wiping sweat right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm finding that very difficult at the moment as well. Uh, awesome. Well, thank you for being here. Gav's going to be here the whole show. He's going to, you know, we're drinking some beer right now. Actually, let's talk about the beer. All right. We got an Almanac beer uh, for Love Actually. We got Love Hazy. We do love the hazies, actually, on this show. This is from Almanac, based in Alameda. It is a lush, tropical, juicy, hazy IPA, dry hopped with Sabro, Citra, and Mosaic. It's juicy. It's dank. It's got the tropical <laughs> notes. It's got the pillowy mouthfeel. Corky, Gav, what do you guys think of this beer? To me... This beer is perfect. <laughs> My gonna, wasted heart will love it forever. I'm going to hit that uh, meme a lot this episode. Actually, I love this beer. <laughs> Fuck, you're getting it from three corners right now, people. Love it. Love it. And now, our feature presentation. Which is Love Actually, the 2003 rom-com current Christmas classic, all in quotes, dared to us by Hall of Fame, greatest of all time Hall of Famer dare Heather Smith. Her dare goes as such. It's that magical time of year when every person checks into Facebook to share that they are watching Love Actually. A true turd fest of full of cringy dialogue, vapid and horrible characters, and one of the more embarrassing dance scenes I can recall. It bewilders me that this movie has sustained such love through the years. I mean, they show it at the crest every year. It's like a Lifetime Christmas movie, but with better actors. Merry Christmas. IMDb says, follows the lives of eight very different couples in dealing with their love lives in various loosely interrelated tales, all set during a frantic month before Christmas in London, England. Yes, Love Actually is our movie today, written and directed by Richard Curtis. He got, not his star, but kind of his breakthrough film was he wrote Four Weddings and a Funeral. And really true to brand, Love Actually opens with a wedding and a funeral. <laughs> that is how the movie opens. All-star cast includes Hugh Grant, Colin Firth, Liam Neeson, Emma Thompson, Chiwetel for Kira Knightley, Hugh Grant, Laura Lenny, Alan Rickman, Billy Bob Thornton, Bill Nye, and on and on and on and on and on and on. And unlike most of the movies that we review on this show, which are... I would say pretty widely reviled. Like if you look at our history, those are mostly just movies that have been stamped all over their entire lives. You're on no top 10 list. With I've our never. Reaction to love actually decidedly mixed. 
Uh, it was released November 7, 2003 on 576 screens in America, expanded throughout the next five or six weeks. It became sort of a word-of-mouth hit in America, budget of $45 million. Roughly half of that spent on turtleneck sweaters. Uh, <laughs> it grossed $60 million domestic, so it did okay here, but it was $185 million international. Jesus. Huge hit in your home country yeah. of England and throughout the United Kingdom. Um, like I said, modest success in the United States, mixed positive reviews, 64 on Rotten Tomatoes, 55 on Metacritic, but it found a new life on home video in England and really th- around the world and eventually became a holiday staple. Uh, however, over the years, the kind of the divisiveness of the film really became further and further apart. Like the two sides became further apart. Instead of this being a movie that people were sort of like, eh, you can fall on one side or the other. This became like, an absolute all-out war. You hate this movie or you love this movie. You're on one side of that fence. Corky. What up? And Gav. Gav. <laughs> <laughs> love actually. Did you actually love it or did you actually hate it? I won't accept anything in between. You got to take a side here, baby. We're at war. The uh, war on Christmas. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know, man. I, I would die um, to uh, let people know how much I hate this film, awesome! Uh, I would, I would go to war. Well, that's the plan today. <laughs> yeah, like, he's ready to take up arms. Uh, you were speaking about some of the the other films that you've put on trial. Uh, so you've, uh, so that's me. Everybody catch that plug. <laughs> so the, the other day is that you've done. I would happily watch Sleepaway Camp two every day for the rest of my for life, sure. and have to watch this dire piece of shit Absolutely. one more time. <sighs> Quirky. Uh, to your point about the you either love it or hate it, it's yeah. so true because every review I saw was either Love Actually is actually a shit movie or Love Actually is actually a pretty good movie. It's like everybody's <laughs> defending from the, nobody's talking about the movie. Everybody's just defending the argument. It's just, yeah, we've taken sides. Uh, this is a movie where everybody, I mean, everybody I've talked to says, I don't understand why this is a classic. I don't mm. understand why this is popular. And I feel the exact same way. Yeah. Love uh, is dead. Was this the first time you'd seen it? <laughs> yes, this was the first time I uh, knew about this movie. And Gav, you'd seen it before. I, I think this, unfortunately, is about the sixth time I've seen sixth. this. Sixth? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's fortuitous, actually, because this uh, putting it on trial in uh, a couple of weeks' time. Uh, I see. I, I saw this film in the theater. Uh, I, I feel like it was early 2004. Like Did I think I saw a it bet? a couple of months. Oh. No, it, this was just uh, at a time when I worked at a movie theater and I saw like literally every movie in the theater. Like yeah. I just went to see every movie. There was no discrimination. And I, I didn't hate it. I was more slightly mixed on it. But I have found that over the years, I've moved into that side too. And so I was kind of interested to come back 15 years later, rewatch the film and see like, have I really gone that far mm-hmm. to that? side against this movie and absolutely <laughs> absolutely on the other hand i do semi get why people like this if you're a fan of romantic comedies this has every trope and every cliche in the book it checks every single box it is a rom-com on steroids yeah. right mm. and you have all types of love stories you have all these different types of couples you have these different sort of some of the stories are more comedy, some are more serious and stuff. It gives the impression of diversity in a film that is 95% rich white people. <laughs> it's like, wow, there's so much going on here. Basically, it's all the same story. But yeah, no, I really, I really do not like this movie. There are so many 
it's odd that women love this movie because the perspective is really that of like a 20 year old boy like an overgrown adolescent is yeah, really the yeah. perspective of this movie this is essentially every character is richard curtis it's like richard curtis <laughs> fallen in love in 12 different ways absolutely <laughs> well there's just so many predatory bosses here like this is a movie that really takes the side of sexual predators yes yes until it doesn't power status until yeah. sometimes it's just like no now that's fine that wasn't fine and now it's fine like the movie, it's just all over the place but there's a lot of predatory bosses there's a lot of male bosses who are pressuring their employees into sex and into quote unquote love. So the movie's idea of a relationship is that it's messy, it's complicated, it's ugly, ew. Whereas the idea of love is you see a person you think is attractive. You do not try to get to know them better. You quietly stalk and surveil them from afar, wait several months or years, and then whammo, pounce with a grand romantic spectacle that totally works for some reason. Yeah. And that's this movie's idea of what love is. Love is not the work of a relationship. Love is the razzle-dazzle of doing something in public to like shock your lover, your, the object of your affection, into liking you. Which is a rom-com movie idea of love. Absolutely. Yeah. And this movie even kind of self-references rom-coms, too. There's the scene where they rush to the airport. Yes, exactly. He says, yeah, you've seen the movies and stuff. So, yeah. my, my biggest problem with this movie was that it somehow interchanges love and Christmas. Mm -hmm. It's <laughs> only a Christmas movie because it just sometimes ref it, I mean, it hammers home Christmas, oh but Christmas is the MacGuffin. Christmas is the cheat. Yeah. It's the screenwriter's cheat that all things are answered because it's Christmas yeah, yeah. and everybody's behavior is just, well, they did that because it's Christmas. Yeah. But film... if you were to do any, like if you were half of the things that happen in this movie in real life, you would be arrested. Absolutely. Yes. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, the kid commits a terrorist act, oh, basically. Yes. Right? The kid commits a terrorist attack when everybody is still really raw after 9-11. It's two years! And airport security is on high alert. In <laughs> real life, that kid would have been tasered to death. The film and even makes a 9-11 reference. Yes. It opens with a 9-11. Yes. How many films <laughs> open with a 9-11 reference that have nothing to do with 9-11? Yeah. Yeah, the film really pushes the idea that Christmas is the time of year where you speak your heart yeah. and you go to the person that you're crushing on and tell them that you love them. And it's like, that's not a thing. No. Christmas is the time you go with like the people you are very close to. Your close friends, your family, your coworkers, all of the people that are part of your life, not to confess your love to some near stranger. Yeah. This anyway. movie exists on the level of those commercials, those Christmas commercials where there's a big bow on the car in the driveway. <laughs> yes. That's the level that this that's movie- That's what Christmas is. Yeah. All right, well, let's get into it. All so right. we're going to run through, because there's three, four, nine key relationships yes, in this movie. The Bible has less storylines in this movie. <laughs> and everything kind of intersects like Pulp Fiction style, right? Like everyone everyone in this film is somebody's friend, relative, or coworker. Bill Nye is seen on a TV, and uh, yeah, that's and Bill his Nye time. is just, he's kind of... He's the only sort of peripheral figure, isn't he? Yeah, but this also... I'm, I'm sorry, we'll get into it. Go ahead. <laughs> so we're just going to run through what the key relationships are really quickly so that we don't have to do it every time we hit on because these, the story is just go bop, 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 right. bop, 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 bop. So we have Kira Knightley, Chiwetel, Ejiofor, and the sensitive stalker bro, okay? So Chiwetel now, and Kira are getting married. Sensitive stalker bro is Chiwetel's best friend. You got Colin Firth, uh, as a spurned writer and a Portuguese housekeeper. You've got Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson as a married couple who are going through some difficulties. 
Hugh Grant is the newly elected prime minister who falls for his housekeeper. A lot of these guys fall for their housekeepers. <laughs> <laughs> Liam Neeson is the newly widowed man with his stepson. Did we know it was his stepson until that very end scene? Or no, was that, no, no, no. So it was bizarre. not made clear at all. And so when I was watching it, I was like, oh, she's You don't find stepson, out it's yeah. his stepson until the very end of the film. Do they wind up hooking up? <laughs> and his stepson? No, it but takes it, a weird it third act turn. Though. It, does, it is pretty creepy, though. <laughs> That's what he said in the film as well. <laughs> <laughs> You've got Laura Linney, who is crushing on her coworker Rodrigo Santora. You've got Colin, the Brit, who is basically like the sex points guys from American Werewolf in Paris. That's right. Except he has no friends. <laughs> and nobody likes him. No one likes him. Even this one friend is like, you're a fucking white guy, Colin. I fucking hate you. He calls him an ugly loser. <laughs> you're an ugly loser. My best friend in the world. You've got... Martin Freeman and Joanna Page as stand-ins who are stand-ins in a sex scene oh. and they're kind of getting to know each other. <laughs> and then you have the one that no one interacts with him, but he's Bill Nye as this rock star who is recording a Christmas song and his fat manager, who he always calls his fat manager. You also have, Alan Rickman has the thing with Emma Thompson, but he also has the thing with, and the actress's name escapes me, his secretary. Oh my God. So let's get into it. We open with Hugh Grant talking about airports. We need to really set the treacle bar here. We need to really like get a level. Can we get a level for the room for I treacle? Need, I had an insulin shot as these credits are rolling. And of course, we get the casual 9-11 reference. So fuck you. I mean, what great romantic comedy doesn't start off with a 9-11 reference? Remember that later on when the kid is like fucking with TSA workers for no reason? <laughs> 9 the oh God, I mean, like the actual goal of Richard fucking Curtis, man. Like, start <laughs> a romantic insane. comedy with when the planes hit the twin no. towers. And you know why I don't get it? right? Is he says, um, I, 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 not that I know of, but none of the messages that were people were sending on the planes were those of hate. He doesn't know that. <laughs> right. Yeah, the right. Somebody might have just said, <laughs> just "Fuck you, that. I hate you. I never wanted the dog." <laughs> if I was in a situation where I knew death was imminent, right? I'm, I, I'm gonna apologize to my girlfriends, but the first person I would message would be Richard Curtis. To how much I fucking hate him. Yeah, just to disprove his point. <laughs> You're wrong. You're wrong about this, mate. You idiot. Oh, my God, yes. But he decides that love actually is all around, which is when we cut to Bill Nye as rock star Billy Mack, and he is singing a Christmas cover of the Trog song, Love is All Around, which his manager calls solid gold shit. And this is kind of this thing running throughout. And this is like a thing in England, right? The Christmas charts thing? That, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where being the number one Christmas song is like a big deal, right? Yeah, I, 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 even to this day, it's and even though it's all about digital downloads now and nobody actually buys CDs, it's still a massive deal. Yeah. But for like 15 years, the winners were, you know, people from the X Factor or, you know, right. the equivalents mm. over here. And it was they actually released this song with Bill Nye singing, hoping that they would get to number one at Christmas in 2003, but they got beaten, obviously. Should have released my version at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> but there's, there's an in-joke there, obviously, because in 1994, uh, Love Is All Around was the theme from Four Weddings and a Funeral. Uh, and it yeah. was number one in the charts for about half of the year, right? To the point that everybody... In the UK, if they were to hear that song, they would think about committing suicide. It was that bad. <laughs> and the in joke here was he's like, he wants to kind of re resuscitate this. Right. You know, it didn't work, obviously. Right. Yeah. So this is going to be kind of a running theme. Is that the song is obviously terrible, but uh, Billy Mac, through just his moxie and his sort of desiccated charm, is going to 
charm people into buying his horrible song and listening to it because why they have not jaded x 70s rocker he's he's keith moon but has who has lived rod stewart or something like that yeah he's just he's past his prime but he's still going god bless his heart so we get these kind of chirons that come up so the first one comes up five weeks to christmas so we're going to get an update every time we get a week closer watch that clock too it, it is very inconsistent. somehow that sex scene goes for four weeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So Liam Neeson and Emma Thompson, I could not figure out what their relationship was. I guess they're just friends. Okay, so yep. Emma Thompson is married to Alan Rickman. You don't know that yet. You don't know that yet, mm. but that's that's who she's married to, and she's the sister. Again, you don't know this yet of Hugh Grant, who is the new prime minister. But then she's just in this first scene with Liam Neeson, who is, I'm mean, air quotes mourning his dead mm. wife, mm. right? Who has just died. She says something like, "Your wife just died." Like she just says it. Like I don't want to be insensitive, but your wife just died. Like. That seems very insensitive. And he's like, I'm sorry, I can't hear you over the anvil dropping from the screenwriter right there. Oh, it's right. just like, hey, oh, plus your wife died. And we, we built in some emotion. He seems mildly upset. Kinda. When you think that there's a young kid, right? So she was obviously a young woman. This mm-hmm. is not like someone who was in her 60s who who just passed away. Like, this was a young woman. Yeah, Like, right. she has a small child who, I mean, looks like he's five years old, but I guess he's supposed to be like in fifth grade or something like that. He seems very unconcerned about. He does not grieve at all in this movie. Like well, he neither does the kids, really. No, no, no. They are over it fast. Yeah, yeah. So just to check the pulse of the room, he ten thousand percent murdered her. Right. <laughs> I'm the kids, and he's Most just <laughs> the kid held it down. <laughs> he's groomed the kid. He just goes around from city to city doing this. Like, and later you find out it's a stepson. You're like, what? But his behavior. Throughout this entire movie yeah. is bizarre. Mm. Bizarre. Yeah. He jumps into every scene like he's the fucking music man. Like he is just like, <laughs> just like Emma Thompson's like, put on a brave face for the kid and he's like, all right, 76 trombones. <laughs> it's just like he leaps into every movie, like a, a, every scene like he's an elf or something. It's insane. All right. So we go to Colin, who is this guy who just hits on literally every woman he sees, which we are supposed to find. Adorable. He is a sexually aggressive muffin man. This movie has a real soft spot for the sexual predator. Now yeah. I am the raping man, the raping man. We also had a scene of Colin Firth and a sick girlfriend who he just professes his undying love for, wishes he could be there just to tend to her every sniffle He's and cough. He's got to rush off to a wedding. But I've got to get off to more love cell- Hey, hang children. on. Do you think something's going to happen there? I, do you what? think? I mean, Richard Curtis does love to sledgehammer home these points. <laughs> She's not a known actress playing this role of a known actor. I think they're going to be in love forever, actually. <laughs> love act. The more you can say love and then follow with actually, please do. <laughs> so we meet Martin Freeman and Joanna Page as the body doubles. I'm going to make maybe a controversial point. I think this is the only storyline that actually comes anywhere close to working. Is that right? Yes. Here's why. I'm, I'm, I'm almost with you. Their storyline is actually about getting to know each other. Yeah. None of the other stories. They are explicitly about not getting to know each other. They're about- explicitly about admiring someone from afar and then just kind of leaping on top of them with some kind of love display. They are actually talking. Like their whole relationship is like, it's great to talk and it's ridiculous because they're naked on top of each other and pretending to grind yeah. while people are setting lights in front of them and, and uh, focus uh, and things like that. It's a one note joke that 
pretty much develops the only love story's plot line. Also, not her boss. Yes, that's true. <laughs> he is not coercing her into sex. They're jo- they are actually doing their job together. They are co-workers. Yeah. They are equals. I would say the two comic relief storylines in this were the only ones that I found satisfying. Oh, absolutely. Bill Nye, too. But it's Bill Nye, because yeah. so he's fantastic, and yeah. he gets to preen and do this whole kind of rock star thing. They kind of shoehorn in a little ending there that doesn't really work, but I mean, whatever. Yeah, like a, yeah, all of the love stories are just oh boy, they are just oh. yeah. But with with Martin Freeman and Joanna Page, what I didn't understand is what Corky pointed out before. This love story, yes. this love scene that they're filming lasts like about four weeks yes. in the same location. I mean, how many clips of like, bear in mind, I imagine that this is like a big budget film yeah. uh, of a love scene that we're not even seeing the actors' heads. Right. How much are we going to need yeah. uh, extra footage of just arses just you know, bobbing up and down? I've got three days on the 69. I've got two days of a double dildo scene. This is like the heaven's gate of softcore porn. We're just still shooting it. A week of pegging and I'm just spent. <laughs> so we meet Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant is the new prime minister. He's the Tony Blairish wow. slightly mm. prime minister. He uh, moves into his, you know, his prime minister mansion. What do you call it? So Downing Street. Ten, Ten Downing, Downing, Downing Street. Street. Yeah. The, why, am I, why am I answering <laughs> the, pre, the prime minister's mansion? What's <laughs> this whole deal? What's the king's place called? He walks in, meets his staff, and instantly falls in love with one of his house <laughs> one of his house staff. Basically, the muffin lady, the woman who is always coming in with a tray of muffins. And she is a fat, gross, obese, oh disgusting creature. That she's they, like barely lovable. She's lovely young woman that they just <laughs> hammer home they how fat her. she is. They oh, kill God. her. She's on the least single pair. Even her, even her own dad in the, one of yeah. the last scenes is just like, "Hey, fatty." Yeah. <laughs> It's appalling. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. A, yeah. But like this is a this is a trope in any Richard Curtis film. You have this sort of airheaded, heart of gold, sweary, like common lady. Yeah. Right. And it appears in every single one of his films. And you know, they give this impression that oh she's ugly or you know, she's, she's fat, fat or I whatever. Mean, he wrote the Bridget Jones movies, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean yeah. that's the whole thing of Bridget Jones is that boy, she's fat and just like she's actually an average weight. She's yeah. not normal. Perfectly normal. But let me ask you, Hugh Grant as the Prime Minister, is he bumbling? Oh, <laughs> does boy. He, does he stumble he and stammers tri- a uh, little bit. Charmingly? Just a little bit, though. Though he's constantly stammering. But yeah, he meets a member of his staff, staff looks at her as like, she is attractive, and he is immediately just right down to fuck. Yeah. Like, down to fuck? <laughs> That's the fucking how everything works in this you movie. You get that power, and it just goes to your head <laughs> right away. Like, I could fuck anything in this room. <laughs> But they, they talk about him like he's been single for a lot of years. He's been single for a very long time, but he falls in love with this tea lady instantly. <laughs> like, That's right. Seconds. He most, knows nothing about her. He, yeah. At this point, I mean, let's step into this. He's got to be the most prestigious bachelor in the world. <laughs> yeah, confirmed yeah. bachelor in the world. He falls for the muffin gal in minutes. <laughs> So now we go to the wedding. Oh. We get, we need to go to a wedding and we need to go to a funeral. So first the wedding, which is Kira Knightley and Chiwetel Ejiofor. Right. Chiwetel Ejiofor's best friend. I don't know the actor's name. I didn't catch his name. Andrew Lincoln. So Andrew he, Lincoln. Is he big over there? Uh, so he was he was in a, a TV oh, that show was called Fucking Walking Dead guy, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 okay. him, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Rick. So Rick That's Grimes. Rick Grimes. Okay. But he was in a show called This Life where he played a character called Egg. <laughs> so <laughs> until The Walking Dead, he was always Egg. He was Egg. <laughs> yeah. In all my comments, it's just oh yeah, blah blah blah, an Egg. egg. Yeah. <laughs> so Egg seems like <laughs> it seems like he doesn't like Kira Knightley. Seems like he doesn't mm. like her, but he 
all of a sudden plans, remember, grand romantic gestures equal love. He puts together an all-you-need-is-love flash mob yeah, at their right. wedding. I mean, like, what to me, bro, this point really, really annoyed me. Because at some point, like, when you're, like, this is the most important day of your life. Yeah. This is the biggest event in your life to that point. You're standing there, you're waiting for, you know, your, your partner to come down the aisle, and you look around the crowds, and you're like, hang on, who are any of these like, people? Who are these people? There's so many, and then when they stand Why up, they just have instruments. Like, how did they sneak past that guy with the big trombone? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm on the bride's side, but the trombone is on the groom's side. Yeah. Oh my god. Jamato <laughs> was was completely ridiculous as well. But they start singing. They so they say love, love, love. Yeah. But they point, right? So, uh, they point the couple and say love, love, love. And like, you guys are in love. You. <laughs> Not was, anyone else. To me it was reminiscent of invasion of the body snatchers, like Donald Sutherland <laughs> lost in their face. <laughs> That would creep me the fuck out on my wedding day. Yeah. No pointing. <laughs> Don't point. Uh, Colin the Creeper, because remember, all these things, they're all interrelated. Everyone knows everyone. Colin the Creeper is like a doing a waiter at the wedding for the oh, caterer. Yeah. He's working for the caterers. He has this plan that he is going to go to America, and he is just going to fuck his brains out with American women. Because right. English women... <laughs> That's what he said. Yeah, he's on a yeah, sex man. tour. Doesn't matter if you haven't got a personality, if you're ugly and unfunny. He's just got as a long as you've got an accent, you can be laying in it. <laughs> yeah, he has this plan. He's gonna go to America. He's gonna go on a sex venture yeah. and just any American woman will just go crazy for him because he's British. So that's and this plan. this party he's he's working at is on the London waterfront, and I was just like. Where's Harold Chand when you need him? Right? <laughs> Give me the long good Friday, Bob Hoskins, yeah. just to fucking kill this guy right here and now. So, so the, the caterer that he speaks to is a comedian called uh, Julia Davis, ah. who is like a really like incredibly funny, talented, like director, writer, actress. And she is just completely wasted in like yeah. a throwaway 30 second cameo. Like I just, and that, that for me is every single actress that appears in this film. It's no. just like, like wet, paper tissue style thin <laughs> characters just completely wasted yeah the yeah no absolutely the the treatment of women in this movie is is appalling um so now we go from the wedding to the funeral and liam neeson gives a funeral eulogy where he talks about wanting to have sex with claudia schiffer and then plays a bass city roller song again he murdered this woman. <laughs> he murdered her. He murdered her on a S A T U R D A Y night. Like, it's hey. just like him r rolling in it. Uh, oh, but Emma Thompson gets the joke. She's oh, like the she's only one laughing she's at like, this. This is fabulous. This is marvelous. Meanwhile, her child is devastated sitting there at her funeral. <laughs> uh, we go to the. I could not figure out for a while. I had to look this up. Apparently, it's a publishing firm. That Alan Rickman owns or is one of the yeah. heads of or something like that. I thought if it was maybe an engineering firm or maybe it was so, like, yeah. I'm that, not sure exactly. That's the thing about this movie. Everybody has a job where they're really an average Londoner, right? They're really just, they're either an architect yeah. or prime a, minister, a yeah. rock star, <laughs> so relatable, or prime minister. <laughs> And yeah, Alan Rickman and Laura Liddy, they work in, does he work for, does she work for him? She works for him. Okay, yeah. yeah. And he is like, hey, Laura Linney, come in here, let me grill you about your love life. Oh, like, grill you. Yeah. Like, it, not just like, hey, how's everything going with Joey or whatever, like, what's up? Do you love this guy? Like, are you into this guy? You should go after this guy. You should really get into this guy. Like, it's just 
way over the line. You way should the go fuck and have lots of sex yeah. and make lots of babies. Have lots Is of it sex. Actual quote. <laughs> have lots of babies with the, what's your fucking boss says like, that to wow. <laughs> But then tell me all about the sex too, right? There's the underlying. I just like to watch. <laughs> let me let me watch it. She is in love with Rodrigo Santoro, who is smart, so he has glasses. But he's also very handsome, so the glasses are minuscule. Sure, yeah. You can barely see these glasses. Like it's like, <laughs> do not obscure my face. So now we're four weeks to Christmas. Four weeks. Uh, Billy is going on with his record. The Disc jockey plays it on the radio, and right after playing it, talks about how terrible it is. Does that happen <laughs> anywhere on the radio? Like, what? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, because, you know, you're going to play a song that you're being paid to promote. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're going to shit all over it, aren't you? <laughs> I, I think we missed out as well. This is fake. I, I wouldn't bring it up, but this is key. Uh, Jamie, Colin Firth, coming home. Oh, we forgot right, about Jamie. Yeah, Jamie the cuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jamie is a literal cuck. He walks in on his wife, the woman he loved and wanted oh to God. treat, saying the absolute worst thing you could ever hear right. her say. Get back and pound me two more times <laughs> yeah. before he gets home. Your brother gets home. It's his brother. Yeah. I mean, that's Does just that the go worst. anywhere? That goes fucking nowhere. No. no. In fact, later on in the film, when he pitches up for Christmas dinner with all of his family, his brother's still there. Yeah. And it's like the it's happy like, families. Yeah, <laughs> like you said, you said the line of dialogue is this, right? Hurry up, big boy. I'm completely naked. <laughs> I want you to pound. Sorry, no. I want you at least twice before Jamie comes home. Right now, this is just typical of fucking Richard Case. Yeah. He could say any one of those yeah. sentences, and it'd All be you fine. No. You, no, no, no. We, how it do won't I be clear otherwise? Yeah. yeah. I want to make the audience clear that these two are fucking. <laughs> Get your big dick inside me, thrust it in and out several times till climax before my husband, who is your brother, gets home. <laughs> oh man so let's talk a little bit about Liam Neeson and his son who we do not know yet is not his son but is actually his yeah. stepson again Neeson he is weirdly chipper like he looks like every every time Sam who is the kid enters the room he just like perks up and kind of like races toward him in a weird way and is just like he's on him just a little too hard but the kid the kid is a little troubled he's troubled a dead mom, right? Sure. Dead mom, sure. No. No. Not bothered by that at all. He's in love. Like he says, I'm feeling upset. And Liam Neeson is like, Oh yeah, well your mom's just died. And he's like, No, because I'm in love. And he's like, What? And then this kid says, Is there anything worse than the total agony of being in love? Yeah. What sort of fucking twelve year old exactly. speaks like that? Just to a kid- man whose wife just died. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Like what? What's wrong? Yeah, he's like, he's like, uh, there's nothing like the agony of love. I mean, you get it, right? (laughs) You get it. The woman you would dedicate your life to is in the ground. The chick who used to clean up after me. (laughs) Do you know what I I found like really problematic about this this scene? It's just before that happens that he's having a conversation with his what we don't know friend Emma Thompson again, and he like shows the slightest Mm -hmm. bit. Uh, you know, he, he shows that he's upset for just a split second. And she says, get a grip. 
people hate sissies. Nobody's ever going to shag you if you cry all the time. <laughs> I mean, fucking hell. The is... funeral was yesterday. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like a fucking... Fuck She's not me. even cold in the ground. No. And you're saying, like, no, you're not going to have sex ever again if you ever show any fucking emotion. Later on, the kid pushes him into it. It's so <laughs> weird. What is going on with this? It's like, the timeline's fun. Like, we know exactly how long. One week. Because you've said every week. <laughs> You're giving us a calendar to go by. <laughs> Can you imagine it? Oh man, I'm just upset about my wife. Get over it, would you? For <laughs> fuck's sake! Jeez, we already did the funeral. Been dead for six days now. Jesus, Time to James, get the record. On with your life. <laughs> Woo. Uh, but poor Colin Firth. Poor Colin Firth, the cuck. Colin the cuck. He is uh, heartbroken. Heartbroken. So what does he do? He's forced to retreat to his luxury villa in the French countryside. He is relatable. Yeah. 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 Right. Why don't more heartbroken people do that? <laughs> Probably because they hate love so much. <laughs> so oh, now this is when he moves to his Portuguese countryside. And it's gets in, in the French countryside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that's right. But he meets his Portuguese housekeeper who cannot speak a word of English. But the beautiful home is all dark and shabby and unkempt <laughs> on the inside and he opens doors to a beautiful pastoral <laughs> setting. <laughs> Symbolic. Yes. Did you know that, sorry, I, I've got a lot of facts about this. I've seen it that many times. That that entire house, you know, the little pier at the bottom, that was all constructed for this film. No, and that it suffered incredible damage because of the heat. That, so everything essentially just collapsed by the end of the film. <laughs> and they spent millions building this fucking house. <laughs> At the end of it, it was all just fucking destroyed. There's a there's a metaphor in there somewhere for this fucking. Movie. <laughs> so now Hugh, the prime minister, is grilling his employee about her love life. Liam Neeson, meanwhile, begins game planning to help his stepson seduce another child. Wait, we missed the part where <laughs> what? Hugh, Hugh Grant talks to the portrait of Margaret Thatcher. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes. That's a good bit. And it made me wonder, is he a Tory? Uh, so so um, Richard Curtis was very big in New Labour. So, you know, in the 90s, 1997, Tony Blair come into power in Labour. Sorry, boring political history here. And it was sort of like Tory light. And Richard Curtis was a big fan of Tony Blair, and um, he incorporated them into a lot of his films. But after the Iraq War, uh, yeah. you know, he started get, getting you know colder on uh, Tony Blair, and he wrote this. And the whole thing with you know his relationship with America is essentially as sort of f you uh. to uh, to Tony Blair. So it, it's actually undecided what this is, uh, whether Richard Curtis is saying no, we want another conservative government in here because right. they keep on slagging off the previous administration. Right. And people were thinking, well, that is Tony Blair. Uh, sorry, that is Richard Curtis saying, oh, fuck yeah, you yeah, to yeah. Labour. But I find this whole thing fucking problematic. Margaret Thatcher is just, you know, like. Just it's the just, worst, right? It's just the fucking worst. <laughs> like when he leans over and says, did you experience this? Oh, no, that's right. So you just impoverished a load of families, <laughs> didn't you? You old hag. <laughs> and I, will, I want listeners to know that when Gav said F you, he did the two fingers up, not the one finger, middle finger up like American. So we haven't yet got to him yet. He's still got a little bit of British in him. <laughs> So as I was saying, yeah, Liam is going to help uh, his stepson seduce another child in his class. <laughs> Liam Neeson <laughs> Sam says, says everyone wants her because she's heaven, which is the gold standard of attraction in this film. <laughs> like, that's it. Uh, everyone's really into her. She's really good looking. She's heaven. She's an object. Let's all go get her. Ooh, that's that's a, um, you can be attractive. You can be attractive and fat. You can be attractive in Portuguese. Just as long as you're attractive. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> So now we're three weeks, three weeks away from Christmas. We go to a 
Sexy Santa themed art gallery. <laughs> That's where we're going to have our Christmas yeah. party this year. Oh, yeah. Is this with Alan Rickman? Mia says that there are, quote, dark corners for dark deeds while she looks straight <laughs> at Alan Rickman and spreads her thighs very slowly. She sees Alan Rickman and she wants the dick, man. <laughs> okay? She wants to dip her Alan Rickman. Ready to get Rick rolled. All I could think about was Alan Rickman was once on stage as Valmont in in Intolerable Cruelty <laughs> or the Dangerous Liaisons, and I was like, God, please, I want to, I want to go back in time and watch that. I want to see that. No, she wants to get her hands on his Gruber. <laughs> Podcast over. Good We're bit. done. Good bit. So back to Colin Firth. He's now falling for his employee. Luckily, she doesn't speak English. That is the ideal, really. All right. Then they don't have to speak to each other, ever get to know each other. We talk about one note jokes. This one note oh, where boy. they say things to each other through the subtitles is fucking terrible. It goes really on garbage. a long time. You're not really it? looking at my butt, are you? And then on the bottom, I'm just looking at your butt uh-huh. or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So President Billy Bob, he's coming for the big summit that is just happening now. <laughs> Didn't he just get elected like a day ago and now Billy Bob's already there for the summit? So yeah, Billy Bob Thornton plays the American president who, he's basically a Clinton-Bush hybrid, right? Because he's a warmonger like like Bush and he seems to be a conservative, but he's also a lech. Yeah. And he's also a little, a little handsy with the staff, Yeah, which is bad unless it's good. Which is more Biden than Bush. <laughs> but I swear to God, I was watching this and I was like, oh, I would kill for a time when this was a representation of a bad U.S. president. I know, right? <laughs> like, this is boy, they really thought they were putting it on, on us. I'm like, elect Billy Bob in 2020. Yeah, I, Let's do this. I, not, not even <laughs> the characters playing. Elect Billy Bob. Just Billy Bob. So, so I timed how long it took uh, Billy Bob Thornton to uh, sexually assault uh, Natalie, and it was eight seconds. Like, <laughs> yeah. Broken uh, seconds. Really, but, really got to work you know, fast. Like, like, funny enough, that still not his record there. So. Yeah. <laughs> We're Americans. We get to work fast. Sufficient. Yeah, so he shows up. Uh, he's hitting on the employees. The prime minister, he... he he sees it. He yeah, sees so it. he leaves the room. Billy Bob Thornton does something. The secretary comes running out. Well, he he went to go grab a paper or something. It's like funny what he fucking can and can't do. Yeah. Like he has people who just bring him trays of biscuits and trays of biscuits. When he needs to go get a file, he's like, going to leave you alone in the room with my female staff member. I'm going to head out right now. So he goes again. He comes back and she comes out looking upset. And he's obvious. Like he's, he's. Yeah. Done something. He's she just got a looks little handsy. Not with it at all in yeah, any way. It, absolutely. It, it's a it's a predatory thing. Absolutely. But again, but predatory a, boss, but it's a bad predatory <laughs> thing because it's not Hugh Grant predatory right? thing. It's not him showing up at her house after mm. hours demanding a date. It's bad. Um so he gives this speech. It's basically just a nonsensical grandstanding speech in which he decries relationships. And promises, you know, because we have a special relationship with UK and, and America. And he says, no, relationships are bad. Relationships conceal bad things. And he promises to be tougher with the United States at an undefined point in the future, maybe. This is inspiring for some reason and starts World War Three. You know that this is supposed to mean something because the music tells you so. Oh, yeah. And, and everyone just, everyone's eyes swell yeah. with tears. Everybody is looking like a mannequin, you know, just <laughs> wide eyed, <laughs> manic smiles. Yeah, it's applauding. Like, they it's can't like, believe it. It's just like, like he said nothing. <laughs> no, it's garbage. He said nothing. And this was his response to like the US president 
sexually assaulting a a member of his staff and b the woman he is in love with. Yes, yes. it's like let me just give a symbolic speech about how I'll be tougher at some point. <laughs> like I'm a badass. Yeah, there's the, the, some like sort of like comments earlier on about like not a war, but it's sort of like insinuating that there might have been something like you know the Iraq War, and you know he's not bothered about that. Yeah. But as soon as you lay hands on no, my no, tea no. lady, <laughs> like does my international trade deals completely ruined? <laughs> you know he actually th- threatens one of the most powerful men in the world <laughs> but don't worry about all that british people they eat it up the dj plays a song for quote an ass kicking pm which begins the embarrassing dancing to jump parentheses for my love by the pointer sisters thoughts on this scene guys um he dances <laughs> like he's fencing he went to the inigo montoya school of dance <laughs> My name is Neil Matoy. You've killed my father. Prepare to dance. Prepare to boogie. <laughs> so my my issue with this is that like he starts the dance listening to this really shitty radio. By the way, he's the prime minister. He could afford the best no, sound he just system. Has, like, he's a radio. <laughs> really <laughs> shitty radio by his bed. Turns it on. And he's like, I'll have a little bit of a dance. And then I don't understand why he would then continue to dance to the exact same beat around the entire house like a madman. Yeah. Like like first he abruptly severs ties with our biggest ally, and then he elaborately, <laughs> and enthusiastically dances around the house. If I would have been the assistant that he bumps into, I would get this man committed. <laughs> <laughs> Mentally ill. He's unhinged. Three things he's done so far is he has danced to the Pointer Sisters, he severed ties with America, and he's making a move on one of his employees. This is he's been f- it off as a week. Make Britain, <laughs> <laughs> make Britain great again. <laughs> All right, we're two weeks to Christmas. Two weeks. Oh, we're already Can you believe it? Shit, and there's still a minute there's or an still hour and so fifty much left. This movie. Okay. So we go back to Colin Firth and the Portuguese maid. She's cleaning up. She accidentally, he is just like an idiot. Just Who? Colin Firth. I don't know where the fuck we're at. We're, we're talking about Colin Firth. We're and back the, at Colin Firth. Okay, okay. Colin Firth and the Portuguese housemaid. He is just sitting out by the lake. This is the clumsiest scene. Typing his mm. manuscript, his only copy of the manuscript. It's just laying out on his desk, like outside. Yeah. She walks in his cleaning, accidentally knocks his paperweight off. His manuscript flies into the thing, at which point she rips off of her clothes. He sees that she has a tight body, and, and it, so, like, I'm in love now. And a tramp stamp, and which a tramp stamp. in Portuguese is a carimba de vagabundo. DTF. <laughs> 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 and she leaps into the water to save his manuscript. And this starts oh. this, like, oh, absolutely ghastly swimming slapstick, swimstick Jeez. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, they're all just flailing around in the water, and they're in this nasty lake that's either got leeches or she's got toxic shock or some horrible disease coming out of that lake, and it's supposed to be this really charming, silly, yeah, slapstick swimstick moment. Yeah, it's, it's another couple of facts about this scene. Mm. I'm going to be peppering sure. these throughout. You're like <laughs> pop up video for this podcast. <laughs> So that lake, you know, that they because uh, they built the house and they're yeah. like, it's by this lake. We'll go swimming in it, and it ended up being like infested with mosquitoes. Nice. Called it, and he got a big bite on his leg that needed <laughs> medical assistance urgently. <laughs> but um, another thing is that entire scene. She's wearing um, was it like like turquoise lingerie? Yeah, was yeah it? right. Uh, so um, apparently, Richard Curtis and other members of his production team had a 45-minute long meeting to decide what color her underwear should be. <laughs> that just proves this guy's a fucking a sordid pervert. Yes. Hey. 
And here in Colin Firth, we have yet another predatory boss. Oh yeah, hitting on his employee and essentially saying "fuck me" or you're gonna get fired, probably. <laughs> like, and this movie just thinks that is so sweet. Oh, the big man likes me. I have been chosen. <laughs> and then he doesn't even give her any clean clothes. Like, so they both no. are swimming in the lake. No. Then they have like a long conversation where he is completely dry, wearing new clothes, yeah. and she is sat there sopping wet in yeah. a towel. <laughs> Such a gentleman. You get him vulnerable and <laughs> yeah, just right. make your move. You get him wet and then away. you get him wet. <laughs> so now back to Kira Knightley. Kira Knightley oh, and the wedding video. So and sorry, another thing about Kira Knightley, mm. what I found out just before, which blew my mind. She was only seventeen years old when she filmed this. Kira Knightley? Right? Yeah, right. And there was only five years difference between her and Liam Neeson's kid in this. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> fucking bananas. <laughs> shit. So yes, Kira Knightley, her wedding video, there was something wrong with her wedding video. So she wants to go to She's this been bugging this guy Andrew about Lincoln, who is, uh, you know, secretly, we don't, explicitly know it. Some people actually think he might have a crush on Chiwetel Ejiofor. Yeah, it's his best friend and that he might be jealous because this guy is getting married. He's found true love and he'll never find true love. I can't, who, some, was Laura Linney say that Laura to him Linney, at the yeah. wedding? Laura yeah. Linney, just For, randomly at the wedding. Yeah, but Richard Curtis it doesn't write gay characters. No. So as soon as Laura Linney says, oh, you're in love with your best friend, it's, like, it's not just like, oh, no, no. It's like, oh, God, no, 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 been taking he, he was taking this video at the wedding something happened to the official wedding photographer that fucked up she's been bugging him she finally like corners him in his house it's like let me sh- show me the wedding video shows that she's like oh great looks good but then you realize it's all not just footage of her now nah. close-up footage mm. of like her face and body neck parts. and body parts <laughs> and scanning up and down her body and stuff like that it's like holy fuck and he has it like in this like box of videos that did she's you like, see the video that's at the front of the row of what videos? is it? rear window oh so of it's like this is pure voyeur guy right, right here this guy just watches <laughs> just the other watches. one next to it was drill a killer as well <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <Ms>. 45 <laughs> like, oh, like, the, oh, this scene LA, if you were going around filming your best friend yeah. and best man's wedding, right? Yeah. You were filming it with a camera. Like everybody knew, knew that you were filming it with a camera. Wouldn't you think at some point somebody might say, Can I check out that footage? Yeah. Why would you then choose that exact moment to make your own serial killer wank bank? <laughs> <laughs> And then if you watch the video, it's edited. It's like highly edited. Yes. Like, did he then edit the I'm pieces saying. together? Like, he definitely jerks off to that. Oh, yeah. Like, he yeah. You can hear sound on him recording that he's actually, you hear, like, muffled clothing ruffle. <laughs> and instead of being horrified by this, no. she's inquisitive. She's like, what's yeah, what's quite about forgiving. Oh, that's completely understandable. <laughs> you, <laughs> like, I, my, my actual wedding video has been destroyed, and the only other backup that I thought was available is actually just footage of my ne- neck and face. Would be evidence yeah. in any other situation. <laughs> How charming. <laughs> so we go back to Liam and Sam, Liam and his oh, stepson. We find you out- said that, and I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Liam Neeson. His crush is moving to America. So what... What does Liam do to cheer him up? They watch Titanic yeah. and reenact the I'm flying scene. Oh, Jesus Christ. Like, like, I mean, what the fuck? The what, yeah. what is everything? <laughs> like, your kid is depressed. 
I know what'll cheer him up. I'll whack on a film about a huge disaster <laughs> which killed hundreds of people. Including the main character. Features in the centre of it, a love story <laughs> in which one of the lovers ends up being frozen to death and sinking to a watery grave. <laughs> This will help my just small child. Put, just put on Ghostbusters or something. Right? And this is this is actually proof that they killed the mom, too, because Billy Zane, I guess, would be the mom to <laughs> right? yeah. He dies. We also, uh, we, though we missed that uh, Hugh Grant, the prime minister of Great Britain, has so much stuff to do that he has f- found time to redistribute Natalie. He says that mm. she he walked in on an awkward moment, and so she has to be gone from his life. Okay. So he he finds a new department for her. And the aide, um, so his his assistant calls her chubby as well. He's yes, like, that's yes. right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, can we move on, Natalie? And she's like, hey, who's that? The chubby girl? You know? I don't know. We'll have to get seven other people to help move her. <laughs> but sing, and then they high five and drink a beer. I love how as well when he, like that at the beginning of that scene. His assistant comes in and says, oh, here he is, the hero of the hour. You know, like, nobody like, is talking about the consequences or the repercussions of seven ties with America. Everyone's still going, yeah, well done. David Beckham's right foot, get in. <laughs> oh, fuck, yeah, I forgot he mentions Harry Potter and David Beckham uh, yeah. during his film. Uh, yeah. All the things that make Britain great. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. Like, I was cringing so bad. I was hoping that nobody would bring that up, to be honest, all the things that make Britain great. They're fucking awful. <laughs> Mary Berry. And, uh... We also find out that Sam, the kid's crush, her name is Joanna. Right. Same mm. as mom. But she has, like, no reaction. I didn't catch that at all. No. Are you fucking kidding me? No, oh, yeah. my God. That's disgusting. And they're just like, same as mom. Hmm, interesting. Did, like, let's not, don't scratch that. Fucking. <laughs> did, did you did you notice that, so in the scene before, Jamie, Colin Firth is saying goodbye to his, his Portuguese cleaner. Yeah. And there's a motif that gets played every time they appear on screen. And I thought, like, it was, like, exactly the same as the Twin Peaks one, you know, it's every time it came on, like, you know, it's supposed to be this really tender scene right. between the two of them, and it's just like, I kept on thinking, no, oh, no, somebody's going to get mad at this, I'm just going to come out of the shadows, sipping some coffee and stroking a log. The little person going to start talking backwards real soon. We go back to Alan Rickman and Emma, There's, they, they just have a strained marriage, Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson. He has a wandering eye. They're at their Christmas party, which again is... Set at a sexy Santa art gallery, which yeah. I, I apparently those are just popping up all over London. Um, Mia, Mia, the thigh spreader, oh. sidles up to him. Remember, this is a Christmas party. What is she wearing? Red dress and devil horns. <laughs> this is what she's wearing to a Christmas party. She's wearing devil horns at a Christmas party. Like, hey, Richard Curtis, great <laughs> solely, <laughs> asshole. Like, what the fuck? Sexy Krampus. But don't you get it? <laughs> don't you get it? She's bad. She's bad. She's a temptress. Her, as a coworker who wants to fuck her boss, is bad. That's bad. This is just a differentiator from the other coworkers who want to fuck their boss and are good. Yeah, it's bad. There's, there's just no subtlety at all no. with their dialogue. You know, there's not even like a like oh, oh on. right. Could, could, could she, could she like me? Could she not like maybe, me? It's maybe. just sort of like yeah. I want to fuck you yeah. right now. Right. <laughs> Emma Thompson sees them at the party together and notices like a flirtation. Oh, and also Mia's date to the party is sensitive stalker bro. That's Andy right. Lincoln's. Oh, is he? Because everybody yeah. remembers everybody knows everybody. Jesus Christ. <laughs> So yeah, Rodrigo Santoro, he finally makes a move. She, Laura Linney has been waiting for them. Waiting, waiting, waiting. Right. Come get me, Rodrigo. Rodrigo Santoro. So he finally makes a move on Laura Linney. They get hot and heavy. They go back to her place. They're getting into it. But they get interrupted 
by a phone call. Mm-hmm. And she grabs the phone. Who is it? Oh, it's her mentally troubled brother. And she puts him off. But then he calls back. And they decide, you know what? That's it. Two calls. I'm out. Rodriguez and Tori leaves. Her life is complicated. Ergo, no more sex for her ever. That's, That's the subject. In her life. Yeah. Ever. There's no more. They've bought two tickets to the Bone Zone of Poundtown. <laughs> and they can't go because she has to take a phone call from a she has, brother. She has something outside of you. Anything outside of it, yes. Here's the thing. And this couple, as we find out, is doomed. They don't get together, right? Um, they don't make the grand romantic gestures. Christmas doesn't solve they this They don't one. throw everything away for love, yeah. right? And and their lives are messy. They're complicated. It would take work. They don't belong together. Yeah, therefore, yeah, no. Does, yep. But That's the thing it. is, is he seems quite understanding of the situation. Right? He does. He's not yeah. bad. He's really chill about it. Yeah. She's just like, you know what? Mm, psh, no, bye. But the th- that sex scene... It, like oh, oh, it's just stereotypical Richard Curtis guff. Yeah, you know this is this is a scene that is written by a forty-year-old man who didn't touch a boob until he was like yes. twenty-seven. You know, it's just like restraint, awkwardness, fumbling, yeah. boob shot for no reason. Yes, I read an interview with Richard Curtis in two thousand seventeen, right, and he said that the chairman of Universal told him that the film would make fifty million dollars less at the box office if he kept the nude scenes in. And his quote to this, right. As a teenager, I only went to the movies to see some nudity. <laughs> and I didn't want to let my younger self down. I mean, nice. this man is a fucking pervert. Like, You're I saying the quiet parts out loud again, Richard Curtis. <laughs> I want teens stroking it to all my romantic oh, comedies. Oh my God. Oh, man, he literally just made this film so he could see some tits. Yes. I will say there, there definitely seems to be a theme in, in Richard Curtis movies of there being like an artificial roadblock in a relationship mm-hmm. that well we though they can't be together because of a made up reason yeah no one no one would that wouldn't be a I'm problem putting, for anyone I'm putting a clothes sign on my vagina because I have a brother who has mental I issues yeah, I because, need to go see him now again because like, I have what? family uh, arrangements yes <laughs> oh my god there's a Nora Jones song that plays while this whole thing goes on and I realize 75% of Nora Jones songs are about waiting for someone <laughs> 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 the, the thing with Richard Curtis, what, what automatically dates his films is he always just picks the best songs of that year. Yeah. So like you watch this in 2019, every single one of those songs is like from 2001. A big needle so, drop. Yeah. That time. Yeah. No, he's he is quick with the obvious needle drop. That is for sure. <laughs> we go back to work now. This is after the Christmas party, and Mia, because she, I guess she just felt she was being too subtle before. She <laughs> says to Alan Rickman, "When it comes to me, you can have everything." I mean, this is not like an HR meeting or anything like in that. Between, this is... In between this discussion and in the Laura Linney sex scene, there's a scene where Mia goes home from the a party, I guess, takes off her dress and is in her brawn panties and then walks off. That's the whole That's the scene. scene. Right. He was really jerking it to this five-minute section of an unfulfilled sex scene and a woman taking off clothes. So I Alan he filmed that, and she was like, "This is going to be in the movie, isn't like, it?" And he, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll need to find, find somewhere to put that in. Put we may need somewhere. to do it for four more weeks, though, because that's how sex scenes are filmed. So Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson there in the department store. Alan Rickman decides that he's going to buy jewelry, but not for Emma Thompson. He's going to buy it for Mia, the coworker, because he's he's not cheated. I don't think he ever does cheat, right? Like he he does, but not physically. No, yes, but he's like, he's doing inappropriate things. But as far as like actually committing adultery, not exactly. But well, he I, does. He's shopping for jewelry 
for this woman. And it's all interrupted by Rowan Atkinson, mm. who plays Rufus, who takes just forever to wrap this thing. It's, it just goes on. He keeps putting in sprigs of thing and cinnamon sticks and stuff like that. This scene has the pacing of Rhino's fucking Because oh, <laughs> he's like, Emma Thompson's around here shopping. Hurry it yeah, up, yeah. hurry it up, hurry it up. But he won't hurry it up. He just keeps being slower. I will say, in the original cut, two things. A, there were two more storylines that got cut out. Okay. Also, Rufus, the character played by Rowan Atkinson, was supposed to be, and you would eventually find out at the end, he is a literal Christmas angel. He called it <laughs> literal Christmas angel. Because he, he, yeah. he, he eventually Later gets involved in, film, in one yep. more storyline in a magic kind of way. Absolutely. And I was like, oh, is he supposed and to be? And it's all about timing and stalling, and that's, which is what this is about, right? Like okay. he's he's stalling just long enough for Emma Thompson to get back and, and prevent Alan Rickman from buying this present. Yeah, from buying the present, but not but from he does engaging eventually buy- in intercourse. <laughs> <laughs> he does eventually buy the present, though. He, he does, yeah. Like, this, this thing is like... Why would you choose that moment when you're out shopping with your wife? <laughs> right, to like, buy a you got no other times to see that? You own your own fucking business. You have like, nobody who can go buy hours, you something? Pal, right? Like, seriously. <laughs> Oh man! Oh, and then and then he leaves that present that that um, he buys a necklace, doesn't yeah. he? He leaves that in his coat that he wears right all after the time. Coming home and getting quizzed by Emma Thompson, <laughs> yeah. where have you been? He's barely bad at this. You're talking about uh, men who like sort of make women subservient in this film. He like gets Emma Thompson to take his coat off and hang it up oh, for absolutely. him and that's where she notices it like if you had a present for your girlfriend why would you have it in your fucking coat right. pocket absolutely. and then get your wife to take your coat off spoken like a practice cheater guy. <laughs> <laughs> I had it in my boxer shorts <laughs> one week to Christmas one week baby yep Colin Firth he's taking language lessons he's learning the Portuguese what sort of what sort of language class is that? Just right. a bunch of random people. Let's <laughs> just all learn Portuguese. Let's do it. Like, but this, but no, they're all listening to different. I know, right? Different they're CDs. all just doing a different thing. <laughs> there's no, there's no teacher. Yeah. <laughs> How teacher, are they learning anything? Learn your own Portuguese. The movie remembers that there's a character named Colin who went to America because we finally see him again. <laughs> yeah, he finally gets uh. to America. <laughs> we yeah, it took him four weeks. He finally gets there. He goes to Milwaukee. <laughs> what did he take the, the Oregon Trail? <laughs> he goes, he immediately is just like, take me to any bar. Is this take the Mayflower? Bar. Can you get me to America? <laughs> he goes to the bar and immediately meets up with basically a gang of Maxim cover models. I loved, actually, yeah. I loved this storyline. <laughs> this is so fucking it was ridiculous. so dumb. And, so fucking ridiculous. And if it's a better filmmaker, I would have been celebratory of it, but it just owned how dumb the fucking whole point was. And, it, and again, it's sorry from that uh, horn dog point of view. I like I want to fuck every woman. Every January woman. January Jones, All they are is Shannon Elizabeth. Shay Mitchell. So in this scene, it's January Jones, Alicia Cuthbert, and Shay Mitchell. And then later at Heathrow, we see Denise Richards and Shannon Elizabeth. Yeah, but they're all FHM Maxim like they're all fantasies which there's a big thing about that right because there's a Claudia Schiffer thing with Liam Neeson Andrew Lincoln has puts uh, Kate, Moss Kate Moss on, on his there. thing when he shows it to Keira Knightley later so there's a that's obviously the ideal woman yes it's like the very thin 20 pounds young, underweight, fake boobs doesn't talk just she's there and she's got a perfect body and she's India yeah uh, but when Alicia Cuthbert pitches up 
And like the other two girls say, like, oh, well, you'll have to wait because they're like proper creaming in the knickers over, yes, over right. the collar. <laughs> and they say, well, just wait until our friend gets here because yeah. she loves British guys. She walks through the door and her first line is, he's mine. Like, she doesn't know anything about no, this guy. No. He could be like a fucking face wearing really? serial killer. And she's like, he's mine. I hate to break it to you, but we can tell you guys by sight. There's a, there's a, there's a certain pasty red coatishness. <laughs> but, like, but then they say that so the, the you know they the talking and you know they're, yeah. they're getting a bit like sort of hot and heavy and they then they say like oh you'll have to come back and stay at our place we only have one bed <laughs> you know at what point when you're out with uh, your friends do you think oh hang on uh, my three closest friends that I've got here and this one guy mm, you know it doesn't matter how long we've known each other and how platonic our friendship's been we're gonna have a fucking sex. force <laughs> sex yeah they go back and they literally have an orgy like, yeah. once again you know this is Richard Curtis this is like this entire film is like a 40 year old man's wank fantasy yes absolutely again, my favourite part of the whole movie <laughs> we go back to Liam Neeson and Sam Sam starts grilling Liam about his love life. The Bob died a month ago. Uh, Liam, of course, he takes it all in stride. He just talks about fucking Claudia Schiffer on his bed. On the child's bed. He's like, ah, if I see Claudia Schiffer, I'll probably fuck her in your bed. <laughs> like, what the, what? Fucking oh, sick piece of shit. Like, 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 okay, that bit can be like kind of, oh, it's put down to a bit of banter. Right? He's just saying, yeah, I'm going to have sex with, with Claudia Schiffer. But what he, did you pick up what he called her? But, sorry, what he called the kids. Mm. He called him a wee motherless mongrel. <laughs> a wee motherless mongrel. <laughs> it's like, okay, you know, I'm joking. I'm going to have I'm gonna have uh, sex with Claudia Schiffer. But your mom's dead. <laughs> you remember that. Which Four is... weeks ago before Christmas, your mom passed. And that's the insane thing about this movie being like a heartwarming holiday staple now. It's just like people are shitting on this fucking kid and his dead mom. <laughs> like people are horrible to each other. Oh, people are goodness. awful. Symbolic of that, Emma Thompson, we have the scene where she opens her present. Yeah. And of course she had saw it in his pocket. She assumed that the jewelry was hers. She gets a similarly sized present. She's like, oh boy, I'm going to get some jewelry. Goody, goody, goody. She opens it to it's a Joni Mitchell CD. It's just a fucking CD. And she's absolutely heartbreaking. So she goes to the other room, puts on Jodie Mitchell, and cries for like 11 minutes. And if you didn't uh, know, Emma Thompson is too good for this movie. <laughs> oh, right. This is like, this is just a reminder. So, right. so like, earlier on in the film, we find out that she's a massive Joni Mitchell fan. Like a massive yes. Joni yeah. Mitchell fan. She has been for 13 years. She's the one. Right, yeah. And um, <laughs> <good one. laughs> and her, her husband, so Alan Rickman, whatever, he decides that the perfect Christmas present for a massive Joni Mitchell fan <laughs> is a Joni Mitchell. Mitchell CD that she probably fucking owns. It's like yeah, you got all these CDs. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, is right, what I didn't understand is if you look under the Christmas tree, which it did, right? You know, if you pause it and you look, there's no more presents. This is the main present. She thinks she's going to get a two hundred and thirty pound gold necklace, yeah. and she gets a fifteen pound <laughs> CD. <laughs> Like, that is the only present that he buys it yeah. for 15 fucking quid. I, and this is sad this because... He owns his own publishing firm <laughs> yeah, or whatever. 15-pound CD, Merry <laughs> Christmas. I gave Gav shit earlier about how to cheat, but I my thought process was like, dude, buy another cheap thing while your wife caught you at the jewelry stand. Just buy something, another thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's like, here's the, yeah, here's the fucking thing I got you. He's bad oh, you. know me. <laughs> <laughs> Take a leaf out of your book. <laughs> this part's getting edited. That translates to... Yeah. $20? Oh, sorry, okay. $20? Sorry, $20. So that's not weight. Yeah. 
yeah. <laughs> That's a heavy CD. That is a heavy CD. <laughs> Joni Mitchell's yeah. got a big library. Oh, yeah, she got a lot of great hits. <laughs> so it's Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, it's finally <laughs> arrived. Billy Mack, Bill Nye, who's been just popping in and preening every now and then. His song, somehow, in some way, it doesn't make any sense, but nope. it's just number one. It just is. It just is. Just, it's because it he's is. cheeky. He's cheeky. He's been giving these interviews, and I guess he's charmed people into buying his song that he admits is an absolute piece of shit. Joanna Page and Martin Freeman, who play the body doubles, they now are gone, going out on a date. Mm-hmm. I learned her name was Judy here. Judy, just, sure. just Judy. I called her Nudie Judy because she's <laughs> naked for like seventy-five percent of the movie. So they, at the end of their date, she says to him, "All I want for Christmas is you," <sighs> which is the line from the song. So way to ruin the one storyline that I liked in this movie with the fucking bow. Firth, Colin Firth, coming back to England. He's going to go to a family party. Hey, everybody, how's it going? You know what? Actually, no. I'm going to go to Portugal. And tell this woman who used to work for me that I barely know that I love her and want to marry her. His brother is at this party. Yeah. And this is not next year's. This is not five years down the line. This is four five weeks, weeks after yeah, yeah, yeah. I caught you. <laughs> hey, bro. Hey, fam. Bigger fish to fry. It, it wouldn't be like Carl's there, right? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking, I'm not <laughs> coming. I, he, he says when he gets there, a man's got to do what a man's got to do. Yeah. <laughs> And he leaves, like, he's got this massive bag of presents for all of his nieces and nephews. And then he goes, and then all of the kids start shouting afterwards, I hate you, Uncle Jamie. I know, I hate, right? How fucking fickle are those kids? <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> like, he left the presents for you. Yeah, he got the presents. Where <laughs> you remind me of God's Not Dead when uh, Kevin Sorbo <laughs> dies out front and the whole Staples Center is booing him. <laughs> like, this man was cuckolded by his brother, and now the second generation of this family's like, like fuck Uncle Jamie. We're siding with the brother. <laughs> I'm going to I'm glad my dad fucked your wife. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we go to the big scene, the big, big scene, the scene that launched a thousand memes, Kira and her stalker, Okay. and the cue card scene at the door. All right, so Andrew Lincoln knocks on the door. Well, uh, her and Shuatel are in the house. Uh, that's her, her husband. Remember, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. they're married. He was at the wedding. He was the best man. She seems to be happily married. <laughs> happily married. She's Ugh. there with her husband. She didn't knock on the door. She goes to the door. There's Andrew Lincoln. Andrew Lincoln holds up a sign that says, "Tell, Tell him that it's yeah. Carolers." Yeah, right. Why, why to your husband? He opens the door, and she would tell us like, "Who is it?" <laughs> it better not be Carolers. I hate Christmas. Therefore, I'm bad. Humbug. <laughs> Tell those kids to sleep. <laughs> so yeah, he holds up a sign and is like. Tell him that it's carolers. And she's like, it's carolers. So he basically is like, I need to lie to your husband. Can you lie to him for me? Yes. She does. My best friend. No questions asked. Best friend, your husband, lie to him. And then he goes into this whole thing where he's like, this is just the cue cards. And he's saying, it's Christmas. And obviously at Christmas, you have to speak your heart. That is No, it says at Christmas, you tell the truth. Yes. That is the bullshit writer's (laughs) cheat. Sure. That's a thing. That's a thing. And he says that without hope or agenda, to me, you are perfect, and my wasted heart will love you. My mm. God. Th- yeah. So that's something. Does he just sprang that on? She thought he hated him, hated her. I love at the beginning, he says, um, hopefully, in a year's time, 
I will have moved on and I'll be in love with one of these. Yeah. And then he has some sort of like. It's like all supermodels just yeah. cut out from a magazine. But it, it, like, I was half expecting their eyes to be crossed out. Here are my next three victims. <laughs> murder I'll yarn. see you next Christmas. <laughs> Time the sights. <laughs> like, I said to Corky earlier, right? So if you, if there's a ring on the on the doorbell and you answer it and it is your husband's best friend yeah. and he's holding the sign saying, tell him it's Carolers. Like, I, that's like, oh, I'm like, gone. What's going on, buddy? I'm getting trapped. <laughs> Like, what the fuck? I'm getting abducted. <laughs> yeah, he's like playing a little radio that has Christmas songs on it. So they're going to fool him and he's just going to stay there and not see this guy confessing that his wasted heart, wasted yeah. heart will always love her and that to him, she is perfect. So he does that. It's like, cool, I'm out. He goes to leave. She chases him, gives him a kiss, gives him a look like, I would totally fuck you if I didn't just get married if my husband wasn't right in that house Four now. weeks ago. Yeah. Runs back into the house, presumably to lie to her husband about who was at the door and what happened, which again is good, unless it's bad. Curtis, it's a really troubling scene. He saw the scene from Say Anything where John Cusack is holding the sure, boombox. Sure. Like, like, I got to do something like that. You know what this needs? Deception and chicanery. <laughs> The, the reason I think this sticks and this resonates, and we've all said it, why do women seem to love this movie? Right. And mm. this part especially. The cue card that says, and I say this without hope or expectation. Yeah, and hope that's or agenda. It. Yeah. I, that's it. You will always have an admirer, but I, I say this without anything. I'm not Nothing's asking. Nothing's going to come of this before, after, or during. Like, this is okay. And even as he leaves, he says, enough. Enough now. And you're like, so he's just done, yeah. right? After telling oh, this, this woman the- that his wasted heart will always love her, you're just like, cool, snap that finger, and I am not in love with her anymore. I don't need anything from this, but I will always cherish and admire you and put you on this pedestal. Absolutely. So maybe that's the part that resonates, like, oh, somebody doesn't want anything but will idolize me? Yeah, I guess so. If you're a real narcissist, That's though, really empty. It really is. It's just like, but he's fine. He's fine, because he said he was. Yeah, he just said enough now. He doesn't have a brother who's mentally disturbed, so he can have <laughs> love. He can have this. He can go on and have love. So now we go back to Billy and the fat manager, oh. which is a scene that I felt, I almost felt like they shot this later and put it in because I'm just like, they felt like they needed a bow on this scene or something to give Bill Nye and just throwing a woman in there at the last second wouldn't make any sense. So this fat manager who he's barely interacted with the entire time and is only referred to him as my fat manager. Fat Joe. They are now... They now love each other. It's the love of friendship. But not a, in a gay no. way. Oh, yeah. No, that no, gets no. That shunted uh, really quick. I mean, because Richard Cares doesn't write gay characters. No. I mean, throughout the entire film, like when Liam Neeson is talking to Sam, his, his kid earlier, he's like, oh, so um, this this uh, person that you like at school, does, does, does she, does he? Oh, no, don't, don't say he. You know, like, and there's yeah, there's bits earlier when uh, when they're at the wedding and yeah. they're talking about the stag do and saying, "Oh God, there's Brazilian prostitutes." Yeah. Uh, they turned out to be men. Like, oh, you know, there's uh, like loads of little references here, and then this whole scene is just a bit problematic for yes. me. Where it's sort of like, "Oh, I love you, but hey, we're gonna go and watch some porn because that's what lads do." You know? this, this guy, <laughs> if he's who he is, he fucked David Bowie. You know what I mean? In the 70s. <laughs> I, 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 like one of the creepiest lines in this entire film is the, when he pitches up at the manager's house. And the manager's like, oh my God, I can't believe that you left Elton John's party to come here. Why did you do that? And he's like, oh, I don't know. Because uh, at Elton John's house, there was half-naked chicks with their mouths open. Yeah. And it's like, oh, like, nice. <laughs> That's Elton John's that? party. Yeah. <laughs> 
Why is That's that? That's an out, no party like an outside party. And then, and then he ends the scene by saying, let's get paced and watch porn. You I know. know. He wow. cannot not be sexual oh. with his manager. <laughs> so Natalie, remember Natalie the biscuit lady? Does she live in the dodgy ends of Wandsworth? <laughs> well, she writes, she lives in the dodgy ends. Really, she does. She writes the prime minister, again, as you do, it's Christmas. So she basically says, come and get me, baby. Come I'm and get me. actually yours. I'm actually <laughs> yours. Come to my house and fuck me. She wants the PM to slide into her DM. <laughs> I did a bit of a count uh, to count how many times actually was said actually. Uh, in, incorrectly in this film. <laughs> and it's 22. Nice. Jesus. Yeah, 22 times somebody says, I'm in love, actually. actually. Oh. Mm. Uh, actually, it's 23. I hate to correct. No, bad joke. Today, you pick up the um, Natalie's next door neighbor yes. is Mia, uh, the secretary, yes. the one who was having the affair with Carl. Everybody oh, knows no, no, everybody. Oh, everyone's yeah. everyone's neighbor, friend, relative, coworker, something. Yeah. What I don't understand is London, you know, a city with the highest rent in the entire UK. Like, it's uh, Mia. Can afford her own house, yes, on a secretary's wage, <laughs> and yet next door there's like eleven people living in one <laughs> house. Next door, it's the scene from uh, Monty Python's Meaning of Life, where there's just dozens of kids all around. It's like uh, every Charlie sperm is sacred next door. Like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory all in the same fucking bed. <laughs> all the buckets are next door. Mia's just got the flat place all to herself. Oh yeah, so. Hugh Grant, the prime minister, he gets this card from Natalie and he decides that he is going to take a police escort to heroically demand a date from an underling at her house, all at taxpayer expense. Thank you, prime minister. Yeah, definitely the Tory government. When he finds her, she apologizes for getting felt up by POTUS. Yeah, this is the, I really hated and this part. And that is the sign that she's a good girl after all. She's not going to get all bent up about POTUS uh, sticking his hand up her skirt. She apologizes. He walks in on them and Billy Bob Thornton is saying, look, when you're rich, they let you do anything. You can grab them <laughs> yeah, by the right. pussy, right? Basically. <laughs> and she is now has to say, look, things got out of hand. Like she had any ownership right. of that. It's... She was accosted in eight seconds by him, the president of the United States. Yeah, has, and she has to apologize. Yeah. If you look at that scene, so... She was just doing her job, right? She was serving biscuits or tea or whatever, and then she got sexually assaulted by the president of the United States, and then she was fired. Technically, she was yes. done. She was fired because the man by who was the prime minister sexually <laughs> predatory. You grit. Oh boy! But though I will say, I told Gavin this earlier. This was my first, my only genuine laugh in the movie. Which is what is when the prime minister comes to the dodgy ends of Wadsworth <laughs> to find Natalie. <laughs> When he opens the door, the whole family's stunned to see the prime minister. Yes. And then just Natalie comes down, fuck, where's me fucking shoes? <laughs> and that was pretty funny to me. Just her being herself without him around while the family's just stunned to see him. It, it's also One, the only time that swearing is used correctly. You yeah, know? you say that. Yeah. Because yes, right. in this film and all Richard Curtis films, just, swearing is just like, yeah, just something that posh people do because it's yeah. cutesy. I'm like, oh, bloody bollocks. Oh, <laughs> Doesn't Four Weddings and a Funeral open on like 10 fucks where everybody's late for the fuck? Fuck, 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 fuck. Yeah. Like that. Ten fucks, four weddings, one funeral. <laughs> <laughs> so 
we go to this Christmas play. She, she's <laughs> the prime minister goes to Natalie's house. She's resting off of this Christmas play that all of London is going to. Yeah. like all of every character in the movie now descends 80% upon this of the Christmas characters card, in the movie right? yes. are in the dodgy end of Wandsworth right now. Martin Freeman and Joanna Page, the body doubles, are there. Why he, are they there? I don't know. I don't know. He's like an uncle to one of the kids and brings a date. Yeah. <laughs> like, do the fucking school pageant. The Christmas pageant at this elementary school. He just covers up her face. He's like, you recognize Judy, Judy right? <laughs> Emma Thompson's there. I think this is where we realized that no, they, it's, it was earlier in it's this. It's called yeah. out earlier. But they yeah, see yeah. him as she's their siblings, and every, you know, like everyone's there. Everyone's there. There's, a, uh, there's only one primary school in the entire of London. Yes. They all go there. Rich, poor, everybody. Now, was this a Hufflepuff or a Slytherin? <laughs> <laughs> So they, uh, this is also where the prime minister gets caught snogging okay. Natalie, like a curtain gets raised or something on stage, and they're oh, there, Jesus and he has to do it. So it's like he's he's immediately outed as uh, having sex with his secretary, which the, is not controversial at all. But uh, what gets me is that this primary school, right? So they're, they're doing a, a nativity show where they've got lobsters and Spider-Man in there. Octopus. Know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, so later on when Sam um, does the big, you know, song, um, right. Yeah, yes. the, the, the setup there, how professional it's they've got, so like crazy. <laughs> actual professional bands. You know, like they've got like thousands of pounds worth of equipment. You know, like uh, like a professional choir. It's just completely bonkers. And right before the principal comes on to be sort of apologetic, like, well, some of us teachers are going to perform this. So sorry if it's going to be a little rough. <laughs> That's it's like, yeah. what the fuck? This is MTV unplugged. Character <laughs> actor Adam Godley, who's really good. You've seen him in a lot of stuff, but he comes on to apologize, and then it's fucking ELO. It's an <laughs> It's an industrial stage show. And Sam, of course, is a drummer. He's right. learned to drum to impress Joanna, who is the singer. It just dawns on me. Sam has a pretty big night tonight. Huge. <laughs> Drums in the best uh, nativity show in the dodgy end of Wandsworth. And then commits a terrorist act at uh, Well, how about Joanna, the girl who is the performer? She sings lead. Goes immediately from the Christmas pageant to the airport. I, I can't do another to, show. I'm to <laughs> fly to America, where she is moving. Real supreme shit. After <laughs> that, <laughs> first class. I want the jet to myself. Yeah, these kids on their schedules today. It's crazy. They got the soccer. You got the live performances. When you said about the prime minister and Natalie uh, getting revealed that they were a couple, you know, the kind of the Kens go up and they reveal to be kissing and everyone's like, oh my God, the prime minister's getting off with, with this girl. Like <laughs> at one point when you're backstage, right, you think like this is the moment that I want to kiss the girl that I've been in love with for the past so many weeks. Why would you think that in front of a giant sign that said Merry Christmas directly in front of a can would be a good place to do it? it? Like anywhere else, the wings, backstage, in the car park, anywhere else. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's prime minister. He doesn't know about crowd management. So we also get the scene where Emma Thompson confronts Alan Rickman uh, with the present that he's bought, the Mia, mm-hmm. and her speech about, you know, would you stay with that person knowing that life would always be a little bit worse? It's a real fucking downer. Their yeah. fucking thing. Bummer city, you guys. He says the classic line. So he's just been rumbled, essentially. So he says, I know you've been having an affair. And rather than be like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, any sort of apology, he says the line. Oh, I'm such a classic fool. Which <laughs> <laughs> makes it sound like, oh, what am I like? Hey, what a scamp. Oh. <laughs> As we said, Joanna, she's heading off to the airport to directly move to America right after this 
huge Christmas pageant that she has to uh, perform in. And of course, what are we going to do? It's a romantic comedy. Someone's going to the airport to take off. You got to make a mad dash. Liam Neeson tells Sam, you've seen the films, kiddo. Stop dealing with your grief and chase her. Chase this woman who is moving to America, who you don't really know. You've never interacted with. Uh, and at this point, while Liam is like, all right, sounds good. Hang on a sec. Let me go get something. And he leaves. And who shows up? But Claudia Schiffer. Literally Claudia Schiffer. Not playing Claudia Schiffer, but it's literally Claudia Schiffer. Oh, I as didn't even catch that. One of the moms of the thing. Remember, he's made all these Claudia Schiffer references. And they're in love because she's hot. Yep. And he's fixated on her. So good enough, right? Um, the kids also hey, says- Hey, Claudia Schiffer, run. Like, run. <laughs> <laughs> You're next. Yeah, before you know it, you'll be dead. He'll have got your kids. Yeah, your I kids know, right? next. He's like Fagan. He's collecting an army <laughs> <laughs> of orphan children. Like, like the kids is the immortal line. Let's go and get this shit kicked out of us by love. Yeah, <laughs> so such, a, such like, a wise kid. Jesus so Christ. Like, if that good. line wasn't written by a 45-year-old fucking man. <laughs> So they give chase. They're rushing to the airport. Uh, Colin Firth lands in Portugal. He's going to rush to go propose to the housekeeper. He goes to her family's house, and he's like, I want to marry your daughter. And who steps up but a larger woman? Uh, and it's hilarious because he would never. No one would ever want to have sex with her. It's great. Oh, uh, yeah. And even the dad, even her dad. There's so many fat daughter jokes just in this woman's like 90 seconds of screen time. The dad calls her Miss Dunkin' Donut 2003. That Portuguese That's village has a Dunkin' Donuts in it. <laughs> yeah, I want yeah, everybody to know yeah, that. He makes those references. <laughs> I know. It's like this old, really, this really old, there's no fucking Dunkin' Donuts. You don't get that reference at all. So, yeah. Meanwhile, the kid makes an inspiring dash past airport security. Remember, again, the film started with a heart-tugging 9-11 reference, <laughs> and now this kid is, like, fucking with TSA workers so that he could go tell his girl that he loves her. Sam's on a terror's watch list for the rest of his life. <laughs> yes. okay? They just let him go after this, but he's on a watch list. Okay, yeah. This guy can't travel out And his, his own dad or stepdad is encouraging him to he's commit like, a do crime. It, do it. And this is also where Rufus comes back, Rowan the Atkinson, Rowan Atkinson yeah. character. He's wearing a large coat, and he sort of like spreads the coat while he's up at the counter kind of dealing with this guy, and Sam is able to like run past him as yeah. he's distracted. He does a whole Mr. And Bean. then also Billy Mack also distracts the worker's... Uh, at the he's gate getting naked. long enough to yeah because he's getting naked so all the workers at the gate are like holy fuck Billy Max getting naked so the kid runs past them too yeah I mean that's the most so multiple thing levels you can... of security <laughs> that he's thwarted you're waiting for a long haul flight you know how many how many times you're waiting for your flight in the background there's footage of a man getting his old knob out you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah right <laughs> any points that they go like oh I don't think this is appropriate there's a nine year old girl there about no. to get on board a flight <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? This is, uh, Janet Jackson's titty accidentally falls out during the Super Bowl, <laughs> and we get counting crows at the Super Bowl for years. This old guy gets naked, and it's supposed to be a wonderful thing. Yeah, and so basically, Sam is the reason that we all have to take off our shoes now before we go. Right, yeah. <laughs> After that, they were like, you know what? We're vulnerable. We're vulnerable. A little kid just ran past all of you. So he catches up to her, and she's like, Sam? And his whole deal is like, she knows my name. Right. Just she knows my name. He didn't even know that much about her. She even knew his name. Not like the ideal of a relationship where it's only based on I want you. Like I see you and I want you. Yeah. And that's mm -hmm. it. That's good enough. And instead of for a man getting to know you, I'm going to do grand things because yes. that 
is all that will so turn. So he you. rushes to the airport. We see him walk back to Sam and he's or walk back to Liam Neeson and he's like, "She knows my name. Oh my god, she knows my name. Like she's leaving for America forever." She runs back. We don't see her run through, but she runs through now multiple levels of security, right? Like because she's already been passed to go yeah. on the plane. She now comes off the plane. Ed is like, give me a kiss, and then goes back on through security. Like, this is what the fuck is happening here. Yeah, Heathrow is one of like the most secure or, or most heavily traveled airports in the world, but 11 and 12-year-olds have the run of the place. I know, right? They cannot stop 11 and 12-year-olds. Yeah. I mean, and I was there just the other day, and it was like Bugsy Malone. <laughs> <laughs> just willy-nilly. So back to Colin Firth. He's now brought a large crowd to harass his ex-employee at her workplace. <laughs> Real quiet man. Super, <laughs> super romantic. I mean, he started as a predatory boss. He's not her boss, but he's still a predator coming to her work. It's adorable. So his first words to her, I want to marry you. They've never spoken. They've never spoken. But we find out she speaks English. She was learning English the whole time, therefore it is love. Also, she's got a tight body. Right, yeah. Not like her uh, disgusting sister. Those are the two things. I I love how this is a big romantic gesture, but he still has awful grammar. You know, at one point point did he think, "Ah, I better practice this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm literally a writer. Yes. (laughs) Words are my craft. So that is the end of the Christmas stories. Now, one month later, one month later, we're back Ugh. at Heathrow where we open. All the characters come back together, mostly for inexplicable reasons. Colin the Creeper returns after five weeks in America. That's right. Where the fuck are Alan Rickman coming from? Where are several of the other people flying from in late why, January? Why did like, they take no, this? Where did any of them go? The prime minister comes back. He just walks right through the terminal. Yeah. No, no, wait. Colin for. <laughs> I mean, Colin the Creeper was 10 weeks in America. No. Yeah, because it's one through five weeks. He no, that's was not when he left. He left. He gets to America in the between the two and one week. Okay. So he gets there with like one week before Christmas, oh, and this right. is a month after. So it's uh, like five weeks, space, right. five and a half weeks, whatever. It's a month and a week. On the busboy salary. Yeah, the bus yeah. salary. Man, he said he didn't have enough money to pay for accommodation while he was over there. <laughs> what the fuck has this guy been doing for Just four weeks? Just orgy nonstop. <laughs> They've been putting him up nonstop. Food and board and orgies. In tw- in tw- the, p- the prime minister apparently checks his luggage. Also, yeah. he just walks in the oh, terminal like, Jesus. I'm just going to come here. I need to get my luggage. Like, I have a car made of on the gate. Security <laughs> risk, for fuck's sake. Oh. oh, boy. So, yeah. Everyone's just explic- inexplicably back there together. It's worked out. Andrew Lincoln, everything's fine now. Oh, he has yeah, like, yeah, another fine, girlfriend, yeah. and he's like, yeah, I'm cool. Who's his girlfriend? I don't know. Did we... No, is is there a, 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 a girl who wasn't attached to anybody by the end of it? The, yeah, you know, shoehorned <laughs> in. There she goes, and that's it. So, and we end with these random shots of people hugging in the airport, and that's it. it the only thing would have been better is if like Laura Linney's chasing her brother through the airport. <laughs> I know. We forgot to mention that this, in the first scene where Laura Linney does go to see her brother, he attacks her. Yeah, oh yeah. Like, he physically attacks her. She has to, like, grab him and restrain him. Mm. And I'm like, why are they leaving her in there with him? Like, the guards are, like, in the other room. They're kind of like, uh. He's punching Yeah, yeah, he's enjoying. He's enjoying. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, okay. Uh, it's, uh, it's just the one fist. It's okay. Just the, okay. <laughs> just one fisting it? That's good. <laughs> that, that, uh, that footage at the end. 
So I, I thought that was just uh, like, so Richard Cares. It's just like sort of emotional blackmail, yes. essentially, yeah. just like yeah. constantly <laughs> talking on those heartstrings. And with that real life footage, I just thought like, oh, this is just too much. Yeah. And then I thought to myself, how have they got all that footage? Because I thought that was a bit weird. So I did a bit of uh, googling, and apparently him and a, 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 a little unit just filmed people in Heathrow all day and then approached them afterwards and said, can we can we use How fucking creepy and voyeuristic is that? But again, that's the idea of this movie is guys with cameras secretly filming people and then afterward being like, oh, this is cool that you were secretly filming. He thinks he's the Marky character. That's it. He he is the, that's the Yeah, yeah. He's, 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 he's all of these characters. Yeah. He's all of them. He's all of the gross men. He's just a movie. he's just a gross, horrible, odious yeah, shit. Do not do not take a job at this man's production company. It is it's so at the the airport at the end, so that that's a set. Yeah, so most mm. of the airport scenes were filmed in this set. And apparently like half of the film's budget was spent building this set. Really? Yeah. Which explains why all of those characters are just fucking shoehorned in at the end. Because <laughs> like, I thought the same thing. I was like, where's Hans Gruber coming back from? You know, like, what's, what's been going on? Why are all these people what? in yeah. the airport? They're all getting back from someplace at the exact same time. Yeah, and it was literally, you all know literally. Each other. <laughs> That's true, right? <laughs> Everybody moved straight from that primary school nativity show <laughs> Joanna, straight to the airport. Joanna comes back to visit Sam. She has been in America for a month. She just moved there. <laughs> it's now late January. School has started and her parents are like, go back over and fool around with that 11-year-old. When you buy a ticket to the dodgy end of Wandsworth Nativity play, it comes with a plane ticket to wherever you want to go. Dodgy yeah. end of Wandsworth, where the prime minister's fucking nephew goes to school. Yes. Like, what the fuck? It's not that dodgy. Or a publishing editor is also has his family. I know, right? Oh. Oh, boy. So that is love. Actually, it actually is. Actually. Let's wrap it up and give our ratings on the film. Any last thoughts before we give those ratings? Anyone on love, actually? Uh, it, it really is. It's it's a it's a K Jewelers uh, mm. bow tie on the car ad for Christmas mm. for an entire film. It treads on every stereotype of rom-coms and every bit of emotion is wrenched out of music cues or reactions there's no real characters or real storylines developed yeah yeah they're pretty much similar to what corky was saying but my problem with with this film and with richard Curtis in general is that he peddles this image of britain to an american audience yeah. which just perpetuates these stereotypes and uh, there's there's nothing to it. all of his characters are paper thin and uh, they, they're all stereotypes and uh, the the all of his films feature this the predominantly white british cast with like limited ethnic ethnicity and uh, there's limited sort of racial regional sexuality like diversity at all it's just the exact same film carbon copy like Hugh Grant, Colin Firth, they play the exact same people in every single fucking film. I mean, right? they play the exact same person in this movie. Yes, they but, do. But the thing is, is that like in all of his other films, like Notting Hill or whatever, there's just one of them. But yes. in this film, there's like 12 of them. <laughs> and oh boy. It, it fucking greats. There's a gang and they're all over Europe. And America now too. <laughs> They're coming here to yeah, fuck in our nine women. months. There's a lot of pasty kids in Milwaukee <laughs> right, being born. Right. So let's give our ratings. Run of the mill bad film. We give a dare. We give a double dare to a truly atrocious movie, and we give a reverse dare to a movie that we actually like. Gav, I'll go to you first. Rating for Love Actually. Mm, I know. It, um, I, I want to say that it was just a dare because I know a lot of people like this and it would be controversial just to say oh it's a double day because I hate it so much but it is beyond the double day 
Beyond. Mm. Yeah, quadruple day. Double dare beyond. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all it's so, so awful. I'm sorry. I, I just I don't actually think I could sit through this film ever again in my life. <laughs> not not for a seven. <laughs> not for a not for seven. seven. Six. That's your limit. Corky? Uh yeah, so I'm gonna do the UK equivalent. Put this on the shit list okay. for uh, Gav's podcast because it's a Christmas movie because it's set at Christmas and Christmas is the the right screenwriter's cheat that solves all your problems. But I wish it was a Boxing Day movie because I wish it didn't exist in America. <laughs> double, uh, double Dare. Double Dare. I am tempted to go Double Dare. I'm gonna come up just short and say it's a dare. I, there was. Again, I, I, the Bill Nye bits are, are pretty fun, and the parts of Martin Freeman are pretty fun. And I'm just I'm impressed by just the so muchness of it. I mean, there's a lot to fucking chew on. We really didn't even get into it. You know what I mean? It's true. Uh, bad? Is it bad? Yeah. Is it real bad? Yeah. <laughs> but is it real, real bad? Maybe. We'll see. That's all we got. <laughs> <laughs> So that's all we have for you on this very Christmassy episode of Dare Daniel featuring Gav from Films yeah, on yeah. Trial. Thank you. But we'll be back in two weeks. That's just me, Daniel, and Johnny to review another one of your movie dares. Before we wrap it up, Gav, anything you want to promote? Your podcast is Films on Trial. Filmsontrial.co.uk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With uh, two poor to stump up the cash for dot com so <laughs> films on child.co.uk uh, yeah thank you very much guys um, yeah the episodes every week you can catch us on Apple Podcast or Spotify or on our website as I just said before you can follow us on Twitter at Film Trials and YouTube as well so check us out but thank you very much for having me I really appreciate it of course it. And, and I meant to say it earlier your podcast is one of the few I actually listen to the whole way through you guys have great bits up front you do your movie judgments and then you have great bits at the end and it's a, it's a, a podcast that's worth listening from start to finish and you guys are fantastic thank you very much thank you <laughs> this is Johnny's last show love actually is all around us so as Corky said we'll be back in two weeks with another Christmas Merry dare. Christmas well, we've got another Christmas movie we might save it someone's coming to save it hmm, <laughs> who could it be but until then, send your most sadistic or altruistic movie dares to us at daredaniel.com and be sure to follow Dare Daniel Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like and rate us on the iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcasts. You can read more of my movie reviews on the Dare Daniel website at daredaniel.com. Corky, where can people find you with a camera stalking girls that you like? Well, I'll be at the dodgy end of Wandsworth. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Tim play, dressed as the octopus. Is there any other end? <laughs> <laughs> Where everybody lives. You can catch me at the Sacramento Comedy Spot Fridays nights, Saturdays nights. Come on down, take classes, have fun, watch shows. Sounds fun and Christmassy. For Dare Daniel, I'm Daniel Barnes. Our producer is Johnny Flores. Actually, in the original cut of this episode, he was a Christmas angel. <laughs> and I'm Corky. Mc... <laughs> and I'm Corky McDonald saying, "Let's get pissed and watch porn." Yeah. <laughs>